Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel. Today, we're looking at the top 16 running backs. We've done one through 12. Pop them up on the board right now. You can go back, watch those two videos. We broke it down through one through six in my rankings, and we broke it down th- seven through 12. I have the updated rankings. I changed like one or two guys right here above me, but check out those videos as well. Today, we're going to be taking it 13 through 16, and then we'll close it out in a final video going 17 through 20. But for right now, we're going to get all the way through the top 16 running backs for 2020 fantasy football. So relax, sit back, get a little beverage. We're going to be breaking down these next four running backs, and there's a lot to dig into with these running backs for who's due for regression, for who's got injury concerns, for who's on a new team, for who wants to be traded away. There's so much. Who's fresh blood in the water in this league? So much going on. So I'm very excited for this specific video on running backs. Be sure, do me a favor right now. Hit that like button. Hit it. Take a second of your time. It really does help this video reach more people when you hit the like button and that subscribe plus notification bell. All those things say these people like this. They're engaging. Let's send it out to more people. So I really do appreciate it. If you're appreciating this content and all the time that I'm putting into it, that's all I ask for me if you could take a few seconds of your time. So thank you so much. Also take a second to hop into the Discord. We're chatting in there every single day. We're doing the mock drafts in there. We're getting some league started. So go into the Discord right now. Lots of exciting things happening in there, as well as the question of the day that I ask every single day. And I asked this a while ago and maybe a video a month ago. Now I want to see, since Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has had more time in the league and people can think a little bit more about him and what their opinions are, would you rather have Aaron Jones or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in PPR redraft formats for this year, 2020? Let me know right now. Take a second, get in there, engage. I like all the conversating that we have in the comments section right now. I like that everybody's getting into the Discord and we're having conversations in there about Dynasty Leagues, about redraft, NFL in general. So thank you all so much. Come join the community. I'm trying to build something really special here. And that starts with you all. So thank you so much. Like I said, kick back, relax, take a second of the time to get into the zone because these next 20 to 30 minutes, whatever long this video is, look at it, check it out. This is for you right now. Enjoy it. Let's break down into it. Starting with number 13 on my running back rankings, Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones is a hard one for me because he can slide from anywhere from a top 10 running back for me this year to potentially even going down to outside the top 15 borderline top 20 back because of the touchdowns. And that's really what it's going to depend on really for him when I project out and stat out his line. Now there's other factors, but in 2019, he played in all 16 games. He saw 63% of the snaps. He had 236 carries for over a thousand yards. You can see his stat lines on the screen right now. And the 19 touchdown rate is likely going to reduce from that 67 to 6.8%. It's just not a number that you're going to continue to have year after year. It's likely going to be a career high for him. And what that means is regressions coming his way. Now he ranked 10th in the entire NFL when it comes to his receptions, plus his carries 17.8 per game. And he ended up having 285 in total. He was 11th in red zone touches. He was 11th in RB targets, and he was first in touchdowns tied with one Christian McCaffrey, making him the third ranked fantasy point per game running back. And he wasn't just doing this all behind a good offensive line, which the Packers had last year, and they've lost some pieces in the offseason, which we'll get to, but he was creating yards on his own. I mean, he was fourth in evaded tackles. He was sixth in yards created. He was able to do this, and then the benefit was this team was getting into the red zone, having short down situations, and he was running behind a top 10 offensive line unit when it came to run blocking. So he was fantastic last year. Now, there's a lot to be said about when Devontae Adams missed with a turf toe for a month of the season. You can go through, I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter at this point, but you can go through and check out just the game splits during that time. Aaron Jones was the leading receiver. I mean, against the Cowboys, Aaron Jones was scoring 50 plus yard touchdowns for the Green Bay Packers. When Devontae Adams was out, you were seeing Aaron Jones seeing six, seven, eight targets in those games for that month of the season. Devontae Adams comes back and he's only seeing three targets. He has a game with a goose egg right after that. So when Devontae Adams comes back and takes up a 30.3% target share the remainder of the season, it does impact obviously everybody, but mainly the guy who's being schemed into the slot, schemed to the outside as a wide 
receiver in Aaron Jones. So what did the Packers do this offseason to potentially make me having Aaron Jones from being a top five running back last year to now dropping outside my top 10 outside of just the fact that touchdown regression is going to be coming for him? Well, the Packers actually lost Brian Balaga, a longtime offensive lineman for them and a depth piece in Jason Spricks. Now they kind of tried to replace Balaga, who's a tackle with another tackle in Rick Wagner. We'll see how that goes. It's going to take some chemistry and some time, especially with the pandemic this offseason to really get that stability back on the offensive line. Other than that, they got rid of Jeronimo Allison. Good. He stunk. Other than that, they got rid of Jimmy Graham. Good. He's a dusty old tight end. But in the draft is where they made some waves and it's not for a good reason. They draft Jordan Love in the first. Okay. I understand maybe a decision. I don't fully understand it in terms of the contract situation with Aaron Rodgers, but I, I at least understand the logic for why you draft a quarterback there. The logic when it comes to the logistical parts of your entire team, not just in the vacuum of that one pick doesn't make much sense. But regardless, then they go out and take AJ Dillon in the second round, a third round, basically fullback at that point, And then they get three straight offensive linemen in the sixth round. And let's just say this, AJ Dillon for me was somebody that I was touting as somebody I would never draft as a GM. Now, obviously he was going to get drafted because he was really good at Boston college and people just are still donkeys in the NFL, but I would never draft him. If we went 30 rounds, I would still continuously pass on AJ Dillon unless I needed some sort of fullback at that point, but I'm not drafting AJ Dillon in the second round. The Packers did that. And it's pretty clear that Matt LaFleur has that, uh, let's just say uh, FOMO when it comes to the fact that he left Tennessee and they got better with Derrick Henry being unleashed. And then last year he ends up losing to the 49ers twice when they had a very run blocking heavy scheme. So now there's some concern with the second round draft capital guy and AJ Dillon back there if you're talking about dynasty formats because Aaron Jones is, is done after this year in terms of his contract. He has to re-up. And now when they draft a guy like A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams is also done, but he's been productive for them. They've had these guys behind him. Jones is not really looking like a long-term option for the Packers, at least based on their moves this offseason, getting A.J. Dillon and trying to build this run-first offense. But this specific year, the run-first offense should help. I mean, you have one of the most efficient backs, if not the most efficient back in a very underrated manner in Aaron Jones in the entire league. They're not going to just start giving all the carries to A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams. He's still going to be the lead back by a wide margin in this backfield. And Matt LaFleur did come out before the draft and hint that they wanted to draft another running back and said that Aaron Jones is not the type of guy who's going to ever get the lion's share of the carries and everybody lost their minds. This has always been the case. Jamal Williams last year was seeing 50% of the snaps. It's not like this didn't happen last year. He's just always been a guy, Aaron Jones, who's been highly efficient on his touches when he plays 60% of the snaps, when he gets 15 touches a game. And that's why he's able to produce for fantasy purposes because one, he catches the ball too. He had insane touchdowns last year, but just in general, he's highly efficient in getting into the end zone and also getting receptions. So in the durability, concerns as a running back Aaron Jones has missed five games over the last three seasons three of those games was in 2017 with an MCL and then he missed the final two games of the 2018 season with a knee sprain he did appear on the injury report last year in 2019 twice with a shoulder injury but none of that was a major concern so long-term durability especially for this year I'm not really major now the backfield competition and this is where things start to get a little bit sketchy backfield competition is going to be a situation where Jamal Williams right now is back there and then AJ Dillon is creeping for what might be an even harder hit to Aaron Jones's touchdown regression that is coming from 19 that I have him statted out right now for 10 touchdowns this year. So you take away nine touchdowns from him, that's obviously 54 fantasy points. And that's when you start to run really far down. And that might be a high number with AJ Dillon back there and Jamal Williams still seeing a good amount of red zone touches himself. So last year, you can see Jamal Williams now on the screen. Jamal Williams played on 40% of the snaps. He saw 10.8 opportunities per game and he ended up seeing 20 red zone attempts and he missed a few games in there. So this guy was seeing two to three red zone attempts per game. That's a pretty good chunk for a backup running back. He scored six total touchdowns. Now, AJ Dillon, the second round while he was in college, I'll put up his profile right now. You ended up seeing him get a 91 PFF grade. He was an elite, elite rusher on the ground when it came to college. He had 317 carries last year, 1,699 yards, and 14 touchdowns. He had 5.3 yards per carry. 65% of his yards were after contact. An absolute beast. He was number five in forced missed tackles and six in yards after contact. So he was a beast last year, but he has no passing game ability at all. I mean, you're looking at his overall career while he was at Boston College, 845 attempts to only 21 receptions on 32 targets. That's not good at all. It's a huge 
huge workload, sure, but he's not going to be involved in the passing game. But what does this scream out for you? Well, AJ Dillon's probably going to get some touches this year, whether it's third and short situations or whether it's just goal line carries because of the bigger body nature of him. I mean, he's six foot, 247 pounds, and he ran a four, five, six. They're trying to get him to be Derrick Henry light, at least it seems. So yeah, I am concerned with the fact that they draft AJ Dillon. I'm just concerned in general. Like Aaron Jones wasn't going to be a top five running back for me. He probably wasn't going to be a top eight running back for me before the draft. He was borderline top 10 for me. I had him at one point around 15. I then pushed him down to 13 just after some other sketchy news was coming out and and feels for the other running backs. And once I actually projected things out, I was still able to give Aaron Jones a decent amount of touchdowns. If you think the Packers just remain somewhat efficient on offense this year, still a pretty strong defense, and they want to actually rely on the run, maybe it's not Aaron Jones after this year, but for this year, it's going to be primarily Aaron Jones throwing a little bit of a pass catching work there. I do like him a good chunk. So that's what lands Aaron Jones as my 13th running back. Now let's get into the 14th ranked running back for fantasy football 2020. So I know a lot of people are going to be jumping up and down for Clyde Edwards Lair, and I think he's fantastic, but I have some people seeing him ranked as a top 10 overall player. For me, he's right around a top 20, top 25 overall player, and I'm fine getting to him in the second round, the third round, but I'm not going to be taking a first round pick on him as of right now, like I know a lot of people probably will. He's 21 years old out of LSU, the defending champions right now for college football, 5'7", 270 pounds. He ran a 4'6 time. A lot of knocks will be on his 4'6 time. Kareem Hunt, who they drafted a few years back, had a 4'6'2 coming out of the draft, and I'm sure he was not an issue in terms of becoming a, a star pretty quickly in the league. While in college last year, and I'll throw up my personal profile on him, he had 214 carries for over 1,400 yards and 16 touchdowns. But here's the crazy thing. He caught 55 balls on 64 targets, but only one receiving touchdown, only 453 yards. A lot of his receptions last year, it's going to be skewed. You see 55 receptions and everybody jumps up and down. Now you're going to the Chiefs offense. Yeah, that's fantastic. But 55 receptions, only 453 yards. He was one of the least efficient backs last year out of all the major backs coming out in terms of just how efficient he was in the passing game. What this borderline check down to was him seeing two, three yard receptions, and that was about it. Did not do much after the catch. But now you're going into an offense in Kansas City where their running back saw 3.5 red zone carries per game last year. Under Patrick Mahomes, they're scoring over one and a half touchdowns per game. So it's just hard if you think Clyde Edwards Lair even sees just 50% of the snaps to not think he pushes somewhere between eight to 12 touchdowns based on how efficient this offense is. And how good they are in the Mahomes Andy Reid offense at using their running backs. I mean, the running backs alone last year saw 5.6 receptions per game and 6.6 targets per game, mainly coming from guys like Daryl Williams, LaShawn McCoy, and Damian Williams. Now you throw a rejuvenated younger back who has experience in a passing game in a high-powered offense like LSU last year into this offense, you could only think about great things. Offensive line and run blocking was above average last year. They were 13th overall, and they had a lot of injuries which they were able to replace. And I will talk about what happened in the offseason for them. They added Mike Remmers on the offensive line. They lost Steven with so there's a little bit of a gap there. They lost Cam Irving at tackle. So it's going to be somewhat of a new offensive line, but not much. They added DeAndre Washington in free agency. That doesn't seem like it's going to matter. They pretty much added a ton of running backs, very similar to right now what the Detroit Lions are doing and also the Washington Redskins, but a ton, a ton of running backs are on this Kansas City Chiefs step chart, but not many of them are going to threaten you when you are a first round draft capital. But let me just read you off the names of running backs that they have right now. They have Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the screen. They have Damian Williams. Should be like the one-two punch to start the season. Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson, DeAndre Washington, and the former Jet, Elijah Maguire. They have a ton of guys. Obviously, they're going to cut probably Elijah Maguire, maybe Daryl Williams, but at this point, they have so many guys on there and name more of the guys, guys that you probably have heard of playing fantasy football. The rest of their offseason was mainly through the draft, and on offense, they ended up trying to replace some of those losses like Cam Irving and Wiskinski by drafting Lucas Niang in the third round in offensive tackle. Other than that, on offense, it was just Clyde Edwards Alaire. They didn't have many draft picks in general, so their offseason was not that eventful in terms of getting new players outside of the draft. What they mainly did was just bring back a bunch of players. They restructured Sammy Watkins 
Falcons deal, which was not really foreseen until later in free agency period. They ended up bringing back Demarcus Robinson on a one-year contract, which is going to hurt McCole Hardman in terms of how often he'll be able to get on the field compared to if Robinson wasn't there. This offense profiles out with Kelsey, Tyreek, Mahomes, and obviously now Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and all their other depth pieces to be once again, probably the best offense in the league. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being 14th for me is honestly a low number. Like I could see him borderline pushing top 10, depending on some news that comes out, his role that's going to be coming out if we get a preseason or any types of camps. Edwards-Hilaire is going into one of the best situations you possibly can go into and likely the best. And then you factor in the fact that he was the only first round running back and they told Mahomes, who do you want on this team? And I'm sure Mahomes looked into it a good amount. And Andy Reid said that Mahomes said Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So Edwards-Hilaire will be my 14th running back this year for PPR formats in the 2020 year. I mean, I think the upside right now is just how often does he get on the field? If you're having him on the field for just 50% of the snaps and his big downside is that he's bad at pass protection. And if you saw the recent quote by Roto World and their offensive coordinator, we're not concerned about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire pass catching. I mean, them not being concerned about his pass protection is something that you would probably expect since they took him in the first round. If they were that concerned with him, they probably wouldn't have taken him at that high of a pick. So I think that's just going to add a lot of noise into a lot of people's heads. I'm not letting that really influence anything that I'm doing. And I don't think you should either. So Edward Solaire, 14th ranked running back. Let's get into number 15 now. Take a second of your time. Hit that big subscribe button, bottom right-hand corner, somewhere over there. Please do take a couple seconds. You can hit that. Takes two seconds of your time. Hit the like button somewhere around there, like button and the notification bell. I really do appreciate all those things. Helps me reach more people and also get into the discord. It's linked up right down below. You're going to see just a ton of people in there talking about fantasy sports. Come on in, hang out, ask questions. If you need to ask questions, just chill. If you want to see what other people are doing in there, whatever you got to do, get into the discord, hit the subscribe button. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this community. So my number 15 running back for PPR formats is Todd Gurley. And there's a lot to unpack here because the man's obviously changing teams. And he's had a narrative around his knee for the last year and a half to two years. Last year, Todd Gurley played 15 games. Thank that is crazy is he played on 76% of the snaps and, and the whole quarter to whole first half of the season was ah, Todd Gurley's only going to play 50% of the snaps. Daryl Henderson Jr. was a fifth round pick at one point last year. He bust for 2% of the snaps. Malcolm Brown was getting a ton of snaps the first one to three weeks, like 30%. And he was terrible on an efficiency standpoint. And then Todd Gurley, like I expected, and many people expected, eventually took over based on the money he was getting paid. So he played on 76% of the snaps, which was sixth in the NFL. So it's not like he was just getting barely any snaps last year. He had 223 carries and only 857 yards, but he scored 14 touchdowns, 31 receptions on 50 targets that ended up being 3.3 targets per game. And that was a huge step back from 2018. In 2018, even in one last game, he ended up catching in that season, 59 balls. He got 28 more balls and saw 31 more targets in one last game in 2018. So there was a huge step back in terms of how comfortable they felt throwing it to Todd Gurley. And he didn't help his own case by leading the league in running back drops with nine last year. Now he saw a ton of red zone work and that's why that touchdown rate was so high for him in the, the pure number of 14 was so high. 59 red zone touches is number three in the NFL. We're used to this. For the last three to four years, we've seen Zeke and Todd Gurley pretty much being 1A and 1B in red zone carries because their offenses are efficient at getting them there. They had good offensive lines until last year for Todd Gurley. And then at the other point of that, you're also going to be getting a situation where these offenses are just good and they like to scheme their head coaches, the running back in the red zone. But man, oh man, Todd Gurley lost all of his efficiency last year. He was 48th in true yards per carry. He ended up seeing 71st in fantasy points per opportunity, even scoring 14 touchdowns. The man literally scored 14 touchdowns last year and was still 71st in fantasy points per opportunity. It doesn't make any sense. He was number 67 in yards created per touch after being top 30 in that category last year and 42nd, as you can see, Graham Barfield's tweet here, 42nd in yards after contact for anybody with at least 100 carries.
carries. The bottom five running backs in that department, Todd Gurley, David Montgomery, Devonta Freeman, Sonny Michelle, and Tevin Coleman. Not really the group that you want to be partnered in with or the topic at all that you want to be partnered in with if you're Todd Gurley. Now the final eight games last year, he was 27th in receptions, 10th in yards, and 5th in touchdowns, ending up being 11th in fantasy points. So it was kind of a balanced year in terms of the first half to the second half. It took him a couple of weeks to get his legs up under him, missed a game in the first half. Second half of the season, he was just very meh meh overall on the ground, a little bit above average receiving game factor and very meh of a back. And that's why he's got the rank of 15th, which is a very much a very meh rank, right? It's overall, you're an RB2. You're right around the mid range of RB2s. Now in the off season, what did Atlanta do outside of getting Todd Gurley? Well, they ended up getting Hayden Hurst. They got Kerry Lee, a couple of tight ends. They got Laquan Treadwell. So they really re- revamped a lot of depth pieces for them, but still their depth is terrible when it comes to each individual place. Uh, tight ends, not much depth there in terms of talent behind Hayden Hurst. Uh, wide receiver, not much depth there behind uh, the the talent of what you have in Julio Jones and Ridley. And no talent at all behind Todd Gurley at running back. And the reason why they didn't re-sign Devonta Freeman, there's no Austin Hooper there. They lost some offensive tackle and guard help. And then what they did in the draft was pretty much only get Matt Hennessy, a very weak draft in my opinion. They could have had CeeDee Lamb. They only get center Matt Hennessy in the third round. Boy, oh boy, is this backfield competition just ever so easy for Todd Gurley. A lot of people thought they would take a running back. You only get Todd Gurley for one year right now. And they didn't take a running back. So the contract situation with Todd Gurley was the Rams ended up eating $20.2 million in dead cap money last year. Absolutely brutal. And what Atlanta actually has to pay him is $3.5 million in guaranteed salary for a base. It's all guaranteed this year. 3.5 of it's in incentives. 5.5 million of that is going to be a dead cap hit for them. And the Rams just didn't want Todd Gurley at all. I mean, they literally said, we're going to just spend $20.2 million this year for you to go play for Atlanta and potentially beat us in the playoffs or whatever it might be. Crazy. So with this backfield competition, they ended up giving a fifth round tenure. They signed it for Brian Hill. They ended up having Ito Smith, who got hurt last year. Quadre Olson, who's now a second year player after being a rookie last year. And then a man named Craig Reynolds, which I'm just going to mention to mention because there's nothing else to say about Craig Reynolds. How are you doing out there if you're watching this? There's probably a decent chance you are compared to those other names. But Brian Hill was a cloud of dust last year. He is no threat at all to be taking Todd Gurley's snaps. 78 carries. He ranked 82nd in fantasy points per opportunity. And 72 carries, ranking 82nd in fantasy points per opportunity. At least he got three touchdowns, but he was 35th in true yards per carry. And then you ended up having Quadre Olison, who was a rookie last year, didn't get much work. 22 carries. 50 yards. And during the weeks when they had no Devonta Freeman, no Ito Smith, they were kind of patching things together. He ended up seeing a good amount of the red zone work and, and goal line work with four touchdowns. Ito Smith played in seven games. There was really six and a half games before injury. And he just wasn't being factored in all that much. They were giving a lot of work to everybody else in this backfield behind Devonta Freeman. 22 carries, 106 yards and a touchdown before his injury. He's currently on the depth chart for this team this year. And at one point, it looked like he might be the guy in this backfield when you ended up seeing Devonta Freeman go down. And even when Freeman was in there, they seemed to want to give the ball to both guys a little bit. And then he gets hurt. And now it's looking like he's kind of getting pushed behind Olison from last year. And based on the offseason moves, maybe even Brian Hill, there's no threat behind Todd Gurley. And the fact that they have him on a one-year deal that's fully guaranteed, why not just give him the ball as much as you can? And I think that's what they're going to do. Give him as much as he can handle. And if his body holds up to even 80, 85% of what we saw at a 2018 Todd Gurley, 2016 Todd Gurley, he's going to be an absolute monster in my opinion, when it comes to just overall workload and volume. Now the efficiency numbers might not be there, but they weren't there last year either. And he ended up still scoring 14 touchdowns because his offense got in there and just the overall opportunities that he had above 250 were there for him. If you tell me that Todd Gurley is going to see 250 plus overall touches and his reception numbers go up a little bit, and even if the touchdowns dip a little bit, he is a top 15 running back. But that is the concern. Is he going to be 80 to 100% of Todd Gurley? Somewhere in that range would be fantastic, maybe even a little bit less. Those are the major concerns. He does have a, a career track record of injury history. 2015, he tears his ACL. 2018 is when that knee strain and the arthritis in his knee starts to start. He misses two games. The playoff run, of course, he doesn't really play in the Super Bowl. And it's it's been lingering ever since. Last year, he added a quad strain to the exact same leg. What One game was missed for that. So you're looking at a situation now where he does have concerns. But 
if you're drafting him as your RB2 with the upside to being the number one running back in fantasy football, yes, I'm not going to say that he is. His odds are not good, but he has that upside in this offense. He has the opportunity to get a ton of red zone carries. They're in the red zone a ton in Landa. They were last year. They passed the most in the entire league. And now if he can just pop up his reception numbers a little bit, it's a good situation. And the offensive line he's going to be behind is miles, miles better than what the Rams threw out there last year. Like last year in 2019 draft, they take two first round picks Atlanta in the first round. It's a Chris Lindstrom who ended up being hurt, but he was okay when he came back after missing 13 weeks. And their late round pick, Caleb McGarry, who many people say they kind of reached on in the first round just because they needed the depth, but he wasn't really the first round talent at what you would think out of a first round offensive tackle, but he was the fifth worst right tackle in the league at that point. That is not good at all. But what they ended up doing was getting Matt Hennessy a center and trying to replace some of those pieces, getting Justin McCray as well in the offseason for an offensive tackle. Regardless, you're going to get a second year out of both of those first round picks. You're going to add some pieces on your offensive line. It's just going to be naturally. You also get Hayden Hurst, who's a very good run blocker as well. Well, he was in Baltimore last year, the number one run offense. And it's just going to be a situation where Todd Gurley is going to come in here and have an opportunity to take up a ton of the production. If his receptions tick up at all, even if the touchdowns come down, I think he's going to be a top 15 back for us. And then finally, Leonard Fournette. And just like Todd Gurley, there's a lot going on with Fournette, if not more going on with him in terms of just his drama with the team, his drama in general, a lot to unpack here. But Leonard Fournette last year, he's going to be right now my 16th ranked running back for PPR formats. Last year in 2019, he played in 15 games. He played on 91.7% of the snaps. Man did not come off the field, very similar to Christian McCaffrey in a lot of ways, actually. He was second in snap count behind CMC. He saw 265 carries, seventh in the league, 1,152 rushing yards, sixth in the league, and three touchdowns, 50th. So one of those things is not like the other. In the receiving game, he saw 76 receptions, fifth overall at a running backs, 522 yards, fifth overall, ended up being a total of 1,674 yards. That was top three for all running backs on 100 targets, which was fourth in the league for all running backs. He hit that triple digit number. Leonard Fournette, the man that we didn't think can catch the ball, was for 100 targets last year. Now, some things are going to start to not add up here. Outside of just the crazy receiving numbers for him last year, 54 red zone touches, fourth in the league. That's really good. Three touchdowns, 50th in the league. So that's obviously due to regress. You do not touch the ball on the ground 265 times. You do not touch the ball around 350 times when you factor in your reception 340 times and only score three touchdowns, especially when 54 of those are in the red zone inside the 20, half of those being at the goal line. Crazy. So regression, regression, regression. He had 17.3 fantasy points per game, regardless of not having any of those touchdowns really last year. He was eighth in yards created as well. So he was doing a lot on this by himself because his offensive line was terrible, to be honest with you, but he was just 90th in fantasy points per touch because of the low touchdown rate. And man, that offensive line was just so bad. It was 25th ranked in run blocking. There was a game where Leonard Fournette went for 66 total yards after having a 69 yard carry. It was a primetime Thursday night football game. He literally had negative yards in the game until one big run. And then that big run doesn't even add up to the amount of runs yards he had in the entire game. It was nuts. But the only good piece in their offensive line was Brandon Linder last year. Cam Robinson, who stunk his rookie year, came back last year and stunk again. Maybe not his worst, but he stunk again. So not much on this line. And they do nothing in the offseason to improve the line. So now you're putting this this terrible offensive line unit right back out there with the risk of injuries, with the risk of not just adding anybody to it. How is that going to be good for Leonard Fournette in this backfield? What did they add? They added Tyler Eifert, a tight end. They added a backup QB in Mike Lennon, and then they added another running back in Chris Thompson who catches the ball, who if he's out there and actually healthy, is not going to help Leonard Fournette either. What did they lose in free agency? Well, they lost Nick Foles. They lost a couple of tight ends, hence why they added Tyler Eifert and Jeff Swaim and Nick O'Leary and Seth DeVal. They lost all their tight ends at that point. And they lost Cedric Obue, who's an offensive tackle. So 
So if anything in the offseason, they just lost pieces for the offensive line. Now they did some things in the draft, some things that aren't going to help Leonard Fournette and some things that might help Leonard Fournette. The thing that's not going to help Leonard Fournette is drafting Laviscus Chenault, who could play as a running back, who could play as this gadget guy out of all parts of the field, which if you have Chris Thompson there now, and I'll put up Graham Barfield's tweet because it makes sense. If Chris Thompson is there and Laviscus Chenault coming out of the draft with the second round wide receiver capital, but can easily be used as a running back, that's going to take away from 76 receptions last year. It's going to knock it down a good amount to the point where I have Leonard Fournette only catching around 50 balls this season because of all the things like natural regression, because of a mobile quarterback, because of the fact that they're adding other pieces in the backfield that are more efficient pass catchers in Chris Thompson and likely Lavishka Chenault in terms of the talent coming out of college. Now, the things that actually might help Leonard Fournette is they drafted Ben Barch in the fourth round, who's an offensive tackle. And I'm not getting jumping up and down about a fourth round tackle named Ben Barch. That name alone doesn't excite me. If anything, it does the exact opposite for me while I sit here. It's, it's, uh, it's not the most pleasant name, but regardless of Ben Barch's name, he's a fourth round talent. This is not a hundred percent lock, but it's the only thing they did in the offseason to do anything for an offensive line that last year ranked in the bottom six out of all offensive lines overall ranked in the bottom seven in run blocking they did nothing to help this man now the durability of Leonard Fournette is always a concern and like many running backs he didn't has never played 16 games in a season he missed one game last year due to a neck injury six games in 2018 because of a hamstring and then 2017 he missed two games because of one an ankle strain and two a quad strain so let's get to some of the drama for him because it starts early in the season when Leonard Fournette is coming into his fourth year he was a first round high draft capital pick so there's the fifth year option on on this man and trade talks start to begin. And once the trade start, talks start to begin, you'd be damn well sure that they're not going to try and pick up the fifth year option. So you can see right here, Adam Schefter reports that the Jags have decided to have trade discussions and ship off Leonard Fournette. Well, that has not worked out for them because nobody wanted Leonard Fournette. And a big reason why is probably because of just the contract that he holds. And it's not the craziest of contracts. I mean, the contract started to get crazier just a couple of years after Leonard Fournette's deal. And especially now after the new uh, CBA has gone into effect. But Leonard Fournette this year for the Jaguars in 2020, he's going to be do about 4.2 base salary, which is all going to be guaranteed money. And then when it comes to a cap hit, it's going to be about $4.4 million in dead cap and $8.6 million. And that would be dead cap if he was to leave and $8.6 million overall in a cap hit for this season. So it's not the craziest thing in the world to think that somebody would want to take on this Leonard Fournette salary and this Leonard Fournette contract. Cause it's not a, it's not a crazy one. It's not Todd Gurley. You're eating 20 million in dead cap. If you're the team, no, it's nowhere even close to that. But the fact that nobody wanted to take him on speaks volumes of the type of player that he is both in the locker room, a lot of stuff coming out about a potential locker room cancer. And that's a main reason they wanted to trade him. And he's somebody that does not get along with teammates. And if anything makes the environment worse and a little bit more toxic is some of the reports that came out. And then second, he's just really a plunger. Like, yeah, he caught 76 balls last year, but after the catch, he wasn't highly effective, right? A lot of these were just short down checkdowns. He wasn't schemed into production like McCaffrey, like Aaron Jones, like Dalvin Cook at points last year in the season. So not a lot of people need running backs one. And if they do, they're just trying to get him through the draft. Like Todd Gurley is an exception. I don't know why at that point you end up getting Todd Gurley if you're Atlanta. It's a good fit. It wasn't that expensive, right? You're not eating a lot of the dead cat money. And Todd Gurley, in my opinion, as you can see in my rankings, is just better than Leonard Fournette. But not many teams want to be getting Leonard Fournette in a loaded running back class this past year where there's like seven or eight guys going in the top three rounds. And plenty of them should have been first round talents if this was five years ago and league perceptions about running backs didn't change. And then just a ton of young running backs in the league. Why do you want a one-year rental? Not many teams want a one-year rental on an older running back who, if anything, is going to be a problem for you in the locker room. So he doesn't get traded. And then a couple weeks later, after not getting traded after the draft, they decline his 50-year option. And the Jaguars have had a, a track record of just declining these 50-year options. So this is it. Leonard Fournette's last year in Jacksonville. It is going to be fully guaranteed right now, as long as he's not suspended. Otherwise, that kind of kicks out the fully guaranteed piece of it. And the 50-year option was declined. So the last year of Jacksonville, Jaguars owning Leonard Fournette and having him as a contract, this season is now going to be over. So lots of drama came out of that. So what is the backfield competition for the future for Dynasty Leagues, but really this specific year for fantasy football? 
Raquel if Leonard Fournette was to get injured, suspended, just not want to play, whatever it might have been. Well, Raquel Armstrong, last year, former fifth round pick, second pick of the fifth round for the Jaguars, is going to be the main backup here. He saw only 15.3% of the snaps because Fournette was always on the field last year. 35 carries at 108 yards and two touchdowns. He caught 14 of 24 targets as well. And then Devin Ozigbo was an undrafted free agent last year, actually picked up by the Saints originally. Then he was cut, picked up by the Jaguars in 2019. Not a lot of usage as a third string running back on a team where a guy's playing the second most snaps in the league at running back position. Nine carries, 27 yards, and then he had three receptions on five targets for 23 yards. Not much to impact there. Ozigbo is really only a dynasty radar guy, but Armstrong is a decent pick if you're playing in deep bench leagues. If you got eight or nine bench spots, Fournette does have an injury track record. He does have a situation where they just don't have any motivation in him. He doesn't seem to have much motivation in the team. So if he's struggling for three or four games, five games, not being efficient, you could start to see a lot of Armstrong cutting into that. That's what the backfield production is going to be. Just in general, like some more news on Leonard Fournette for this specific season. I don't really like to take strength of schedule too much into account, but if you do have PFF grades, if you are looking at Vegas odds, Warren Sharp's tweet right here, uh, Leonard Fournette's going to have a top five easiest schedule in the league coming into the season. The first nine games are only facing one run defense, which ranked in the top 16 from 2019, and only three teams projected with their winning record in 2020. Why does the winning record part matter? Because if you're in games where you're at least tied or at least in positive game scripts, you're winning, not negative game scripts down by seven or more points. It just means you're going to get more carries in the game. And when we talk about Chris Thompson being there, when we talk about LaVisca Chenault being there now, it's a little bit harder to see 76 receptions repeated. So the game flow independent piece of Leonard Fournette that we got last year, even if they're trailing, he can still be viable because he's catching the ball that might dwindle down a little bit more so this year we're gonna have to rely a lot more on the touchdowns so i'm pulling down the receptions by a bunch 25 plus receptions i think he's going to lose this season but i am pushing up the touchdowns by a bunch i'm not only giving him three touchdowns if i think he touches the ball close to 280 to 300 times this year i'm going to give leonard Fournette somewhere around eight to ten touchdowns that's where i currently have him at right now i have leonard Fournette at eight touchdowns for this season and with that he ends up being my running back 16 so we are done with one through 16 in my running back rankings i'm going to be coming back very shortly to finish up 17 through 20. I appreciate you tuning in. I'll put up all the rankings right now on this board right now. So thank you so much. Hit the subscribe button and get into the discord. Come join the community. If you want the rest of these top 20 rankings, get into the discord. I'll be dropping it in the promotions and sheets tab right there. So you can see the final four guys before the video comes out, get a little early access to that. Thank you. Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Y'all relaxed. Y'all took your shoes off. You can put them back on right now. You can have a nice rest of your day. Hopefully this was a, a nice little break from your day. You enjoyed it. Let me know in the comments down below, Aaron Jones or Clyde Bertolaire for this specific season right now. Like button, notification bell, ring it and hit that subscribe button. Take care, brush your hair, and I'll see you in the next one.